This call is being recorded. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday. You know what it means. It's crossover Wednesdays. You've gotten post-game shows. You've gotten analysis the day after. All of that good stuff. This week, we cross it over. Starts getting you our first preview of Sunday afternoon in Arizona. Bo Brack from Locked On Arizona Cardinals. Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Browns. Looking forward to this one. It's always nice when uh, we get to do these shows, and it's it's a host I haven't been too familiar with. Um, but it's an interesting game this week. Um, you know, Browns, there's you know still some fighting on the line. Cardinals, maybe not so much uh, as far as what's going on. But, look, you always want to win games. Lots of storylines here. Bo, great to meet you. Hey, great to join you, Jeff. And, yeah, absolutely, there's a lot to talk about here. And this is probably, as far as the remaining schedule goes for the Cardinals, their last winnable game. And I don't mean that as any disrespect to the Cleveland Browns, but after Cleveland, the Cardinals, they're taking on – the Seattle Seahawks and the LA Rams all kind of jockeying for those NFC playoff positions. I think that those teams are going to be dialed in. I absolutely believe the Cleveland Browns are the more talented team, but man, you know, the way that week in and week out, they either show up or don't. Uh, this is a very winnable game in my opinion for the Cardinals, maybe the last one on the schedule. Uh, yeah, we've actually, you know, did, uh, dipped in a little bit on Mondays, you know, we, we do our PFF. So we cover the game that just passed and we peek ahead um, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to be disciplined on uh, defensively for the Browns. So that's something that's causing me some hesitation. And almost every pregame show we close with, if this team plays like it's capable of playing, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of how you end up sometimes six and seven. Um, look, and look, they're, you know, you said the word and definitely clarifies probably both teams dysfunction. Cardinals have lost six straight. The Browns, week in, week out, they don't know who they are. There's, you know, whether what you want to believe or what you want to believe in the locker room. Both teams are having some issues now, and the Cardinals did have a nice little run earlier in the season. Uh, I remember watching the Giant game and he got game here in Jersey, and I came away kind of really impressed with what Kingsbury was doing. But it was kind of obvious, man, this guy needs a lot more to work with. <laughs> No, I think you're absolutely right with that. And what you mentioned with the Cleveland Browns is the difference between them and the Arizona Cardinals is if everything goes right for the Browns, they're a talented enough team to where they should win that ball game. Where the Cardinals, you mentioned even that that game against the Giants. They played uh, a pretty flawless game. They didn't turn the football over. And a lot of times, Kyler Murray, even a first-year signal caller, has not been turning the football over. Now, he did last week three times. It cost them the game. But... When he doesn't turn the ball over, even when he pitches a perfect game, it doesn't necessarily mean that the Cardinals either win or that the margin's close. And uh, I think that's the difference between uh, the Cardinals' lack of talent versus the Browns. Uh, they they have it's clear they have an immense amount of talent. It just they haven't been able to dial up the right game plan or whatever it might be. And, and I think uh, our, our listeners are probably curious to figure out what that is uh, causing them to be a six and seven team when there was such high aspirations for this team going into the 2019 season? Uh, Look, part of it's consistency. Part of it is, and this is one of the ones that makes it tough with Freddie Kitchens is, oh, this guy's coaching like a rookie head coach. Well, he is a rookie head coach. So, you know, you have to expect you're going to get some of that. At times, is it really bad? Um, You know, he spends way too much time arguing with officials. Um, There's too many replays, too many reviews of, you know, reviews of plays that don't need to happen. They're obvious. Like, I mean, literally, there's been a couple games where they're like, all right, we're just going to go to commercial break because they know nothing's going to change with the review process. And you come back, you don't even get to see the referee call it. 
oh, the Browns lost the review. It's now third and 17. You know, things of that nature. So Freddie's obviously didn't bend in over his head. There's you, you can't you, you can't beat around that bush. There's no way around it. Baker is just it's just not been as easy this year. And I don't know if it's because now he has two supreme weapons on the outside with Odell and with Jarvis, where last year it was get to my set, look over the defense, who's open, get the ball out. It didn't matter who you were last year. If you were the fifth wide receiver and you happened to be in on a play and you were in the route concept, if you were open, most likely you got the ball. This year, it, there's a lot of forcing it to Odell and it's not working, whether it's Odell's injury, which may be holding him back, uh, you know, the lack of explosion. I can, I do believe Odell's hurt. I've watched him his entire career. The juice just ain't there. Uh, Jarvis Landry has been that guy. It, uh, losing Najoku was big for the stretch they lost him. Darren Fells, it seems really weird. He was a guy we really wanted to keep. He's got like seven touchdown receptions for the Texans this year. So the changes, the offensive line hasn't been as good. The defense, I don't really want to put it on the defense. And I know you wanted to talk about Steve Wilkes, obviously, who had his one-year run with the Cardinals. I think Steve's done a really, really nice job. You go back as early in the season as week three, Sunday night football. The Rams are in town. Hey, Steve, guess what? You have no starting secondary. Not one. Nobody, 20 to 13, uh, two minutes to go. The Browns have the ball in the Rams five-yard lane with a chance to tie the game. Steve Wilkes did a phenomenal job that week. Now you look at where they are currently. Miles Garrett, obviously gone, final six games of the season. Olivier Vernon, not a terrible D end, not a bad player, and he's been playing systematically really, really well this year. He's got a banged-up knee, couldn't go last week. Not sure if he's going to play this week. Now you're on D ends three and four. Your online backer, one and two. They primarily played two. Obviously, you saw a lot of Cardinals football last year. This team started uh, the year. They have now lost uh, a safety who played almost every snap of every game in Jermaine Whitehead because he couldn't control himself. Morgan Burnett, who was playing really well as a veteran, a little bit older player, gone with an Achilles. They're now down to where safety number six is starting. Sheldrick Redwine played pretty well. Safety number seven JT Hassel, who was a practice squatter, is now getting meaningful reps. Demarius Randall, you never know what you're going to get week in, week out. He's missed five games, got himself suspended for the Pittsburgh game. You put all of this, so it's almost like Steve gets everything together on Saturday, and it's like, well, who do I have? All right, we're going to go to war, boys. This is the best plan I can do. And look, there's been some hiccups. The San Francisco Monday night game, they got ran out the gym. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, some other games where they had a tough time. But this team was able to put it together and put a convincing win on the road in Baltimore. Nobody's really handed Baltimore their lunch this year. Mm -hmm. uh, the Browns were able to do that. Steve's had an impressive run here, and I, I whatever goes on, I, I'd like to keep Steve. If something bigger, better comes along for him, great. But I think he's done a fantastic job, and I'd love to see a second year. Yeah, and I think the consensus around the league was that Steve Wilkes was put in a very unwinnable situation here in the desert. I, he was, uh, as far as... The, the players he was handed, I mean, the quarterback situation was a complete mess. I mean, Sam Bradford was the starting quarterback for this team in 2018, and he was a complete fraud. I mean, he was a guy that made close to $20 million, and he played three games for this team, and he played horribly. Mike McCoy was not a good offensive coordinator. Steve Wilkes was just put in a situation that the odds were just stacked against him, and I don't think he ever lost the respect of the players in that locker room, and it sounds like that's translating a lot to his work as a defensive coordinator 
for the Browns in Cleveland. I think you're right. I don't know. I, I Unfortunately, I think the Cardinals did him such a disservice that he probably won't even get a nod at another head coaching position for quite a while. So that might benefit the Browns to get it maybe parlay that in a couple more seasons here from Steve Wilkes. But yeah, let's talk about that pass rush without Miles Garrett. As said, Olivia Vernon, he's uh, been hobbled. It, two sacks against a pretty bad offensive line in the Cincinnati Bengals. Is that just something that they're not getting pressure and with that they're not getting a lot of opportunities at maybe some interceptions in the secondary as well? Or is it, what else are you seeing from this defense? Well, this 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 week against Cincinnati, they went more bend but don't break, and it worked. Um, you got Cincinnati to have two stalling drives inside the ten yard line. They, they got a bunch of field goals. They got a one, one touchdown out of Joe Mixon. Uh, they got a pick six, which Bo, I've been hosting this show over two years. Uh, I think like my fifth episode was the last time they had a pick six. I'm up to like 635 now, so that's how long it was between a pick six for this defense. They can't look their number one D end on paper right now is Chad Thomas. Chad Thomas is a cleaner upper pass rusher. Um, like a lot of times miles would get around the quarterback's back. The quarterback would have to step up. Hey, look right in your lap, Chad Thomas. He's, he's not really a pass rusher. He's a reserve D end that you would most likely want to get his reps versus the run game. They brought in a couple of young kids off the street, Brian Cox, Jr. He's been crazy active does miss some tackles. Um, Porter Gustin has come in and he's played probably about three weeks now. Uh, you know, he was just, they found him, threw him on the practice squad. All of a sudden they had this massive exodus after their, the general Avery trade, which left them extremely shorthanded at the position. And he's gotten some run and he's looked pretty good. PFF wise, he grades out pretty well. He was a guy at USA, USC a few years ago, quite a really, really high future. There were times where people were talking to you, top 30, top 45 pick in the draft. You know, some injuries befell them, uh, you know, got uh, got nailed with a stimulant at the combine, which hurt him. But athletic guy, good size, fits what Wilkes likes at the position. But none of these guys are true, natu- uh, you know, natural pass rushers. Um, they blitz okay with Joe Schobert, but the problem is Joe Schobert is such a great coverage linebacker. If you blitz him, you're now most likely relying a lot on 21-year-old Mac Wilson, a fifth-round pick. And Max running around, his heart's in the right place. He's trying like heck, but it doesn't always lead, you know, to production. So it, it's definitely limited what they can do with their pass rush. And that's what gets me to this with Kyler Murray is the threat of Kyler with his feet. And this is where I get into this whole discipline thing. We were good. We were okay against Lamar Jackson. You had Miles, who was really athletic on the outside. Vernon, who was really intelligent. Um, Kyler can, you know, Lamar may be may be the better open field runner, but Kyler may be just as close as fast as Lamar Jackson is. So that really gives me some concerns because, you know, I saw it with the Giants and there was in other games where there were times where he dropped back and it was like, all right, there's nothing there. And he I mean, kid can scoot so he can make some things happen. And then there's the designed runs that don't look like designed runs. And then that's where you worry about the discipline. Right. And it's also just uh, maybe a survival tactic for Kyler Murray I mean he's been sacked a league leading 45 times I mean and that that's also not really including the quarterback hurries that he's incurring every time it seems to he drops back and he's as far as Lamar Jackson and we've seen him too firsthand Cardinals took the Ravens on in the the second week of the season and you're not seeing as many design runs from Kyler Murray and it, it might be another you know point of 
him trying to survive and his size and the, the hits that they don't want him to take. Last week, it was Kyler Murray rushed six times for two yards. And then most of his athleticism was shown in just trying to get a pass off, moving in and out of the pass, the, the pocket. And that was where he was really using his speed, his athleticism. It's not so much as picking up big chunk plays, rushing the football. So there is a little bit of a difference. Um, you know, we've seen a couple big games where, you know, he's reached 93 yards rushing. He did that in Cincinnati against the Bengals on 10 carries. There was a stretch where he had, you know, uh, double digit carries in three straight weeks. And then since they've kind of scaled it back. And I don't know if that's necessarily a doing of Kyler Murray or they're taking out more less, you know, they're doing less design runs, but more of his athleticism and his speed is mostly just been trying to get passes off. And he's been doing things more with his arm than his legs and I don't know if that's just, just him trying to get comfortable. The Cardinals chasing teams because they're trailing this entire season. It seems like uh, it's just this season in his rookie campaign, he's really been kind of uh, his, it's not for a lack of trying, but it's they're working on him trying to find open receivers. And and it's not as much him getting out and getting going with it, with his legs and I think a lot of opposing defenses are benefiting that because it's it's such a weapon that he utilized at Oklahoma that we really haven't seen too much of uh, from Kyler Murray. He had a big 22-yard scamper against the San Francisco 49ers at the time. That was the go-ahead touchdown. It didn't stand for him. They ended up losing that game. But that was a big play, one that really stands out that I can remember that he made with his legs. But I think you're right. I mean, if, if the Browns do a good job in spying him, they can force mm-hmm. Kyler Murray – uh, to throw the football close to 40 times this game. And that, that would probably benefit and, and work in their favor. I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be, you know, dialing up and making big plays like he's Aaron Rodgers back there all of a sudden. <laughs> Too funny with that. Um, now the running backs, Um, you know, obviously we've seen a lot of Kenyon Drake, David Johnson healthy. Is David Johnson ever going to be David Johnson again? I don't think so. I mean, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, David Johnson, here's a running back in 2016 who had 20 touchdowns. He was a guy that was approaching a thousand yards, receiving a thousand yards rushing. He ends up hurting his wrist in the first game of the 2017 season, misses that entire season. Basically comes back in 2018. Everybody's saying that Mike McCoy, this, this team under Steve Wilkes, they weren't utilizing him correctly and then this year, we're just not seeing the same back that we saw a couple of years ago. And it's 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 the league kind of rearing its ugly head, right? Father time is undefeated. As far as these running backs, their shelf life is so small. And I think, unfortunately, David Johnson, that's just a harsh reality. He still has, he's still very dangerous. Uh, last game, Jeff, he had a 24-yard touchdown catch from Kyler Murray mm-hmm. late in the game against Pittsburgh that cut the lead to three points. The Cardinals were in striking distance before giving up another late field goal. But David Johnson is very dangerous. He can run any route on the route tree. He was a, he was a wide receiver at Northern Iowa before converting to running back. He just happens to have great size. He's in, in he's in a running back mold, but he, man, he can run routes just like any great wide receiver. And I, I hope Cliff Kling- Kingsbury continues to employ him in the passing attack, because that's where he's going to do his most damage. He's got four receiving touchdowns this season. He just doesn't have the burst between the tackles. That's why Kenyon Drake's getting the bulk of the carries. I would like to see Cliff Kingsbury dial up more runs and maybe be stubborn before abandoning the run game this week, because it's really something that they need to set up 
some offensive balance to maybe take some of the load off Kyler Murray, as we mentioned before. But uh, yeah, the run game's still ser- they're, they're still searching for it, and it might be a product, you know, of Cliff Kingsbury just being air, an air raid guy and too quick to kind of pull away from the run when the Cardinals are chasing points. Uh, and it's. <laughs> It, it, it happens because we're going through it right here. And the one thing the Browns really have going so far this year, and we'll get to this a little bit more when we flip it over, is is they run the ball really well. And I don't I don't know if it's just a mentality. It's first and ten. You know, they'll throw a twelve yard out. Doesn't work. They get aggravated. They throw a twenty yard seam. Then they get aggravated on a third and ten, and they throw. It's like, well, wait a minute. We just ran six plays, and our best player hasn't touched the ball once. You know. You guys, you got to have balance. I understand it's a little different when you don't necessarily have everything in place, but the one thing that has been undeniable so far for the Browns this year has been Nick Chubb. He's Bo Breck. I'm Jeff Lloyd. It's Crossover Wednesdays on Locked Locked On Arizona Cardinals, Locked On Browns. Got a couple things we got to get to, then I'm going to switch it up here a little bit. Casper, the original Casper mattress, combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quickly- uh, for a quality de- uh, sleep sur- uh, surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 off towards your fi- uh, your mattress purchase by using the casper.com locked on NFL and using locked NFL, L-O-C-K-E-D NFL, all caps at checkout. If you're driving, guys, it's not the time to do it. Go to locked on podcasts dot com slash offers you can see everything our wonderful sponsors have for you guys helping you guys save some money as you all take this ride along with us we're greatly supportive and appreciative for all you do for us this defense that you guys got here uh look it's uh, it, it and there's a lot of work to be done and if anybody knows about a rebuild it's the Cle- cleveland browns bow it is um, some things that I, I love with, with what the Cardinals have going on Chandler Jones. It doesn't look like age is ever is catching him anytime soon. Buddha Baker may have been one of my favorite collegiate defensive backs of all time. Patrick Peterson. I, I know maybe some of it, you know, some of the bloom is coming off of the rose, but one of the better cornerbacks that's ever taken the field in the NFL. What's going on Cardinals defense wise. Yeah, and that's that's about it. You could add Jordan Hicks into that mix as far as some of nice the big names yeah. and guys that are making an impact. Uh, 120 total tackles, a sack and a half. He also has three picks. He's just been an absolute monster. He's been a guy that, uh, you know, one of the few free agent finds that Steve Kime has signed in the offseason during his tenure as GM that's been a, a good pickup. I mean, Jordan Hicks has been great. Probably your defensive MVP. You mentioned, hey, Chandler Jones is just an absolute sack master 14 more this season. He's getting the strip sacks. He's got six strip fumbles uh, this season. So he's putting the football on the ground. You mentioned Buda Baker. He's a guy that's uh, racking up the tackles absolutely from the safety position. Uh, 118 total tackles. But we're not seeing, we just haven't seen him kind of be the ball hawk that we wanted him to be out of Washington uh, when they drafted. They traded it up and they drafted him in the second round. Just not not a lot of interceptions. He's gotten a couple of forced fumbles here and there, but just not getting that from Buda Baker. Uh, Patrick Peterson, you're absolutely right. Here's a guy who had a six-game suspension for PEDs earlier this year. It was his first time he missed time in his career. Before this season, he's been a pro bowler each and every year uh, since he came into the league out of LSU. Just an absolute monster. And yeah, I'm, Father of Time might be rearing its ugly head on Patrick Peterson as well, but he's still, I would 
keep him up there as, as somebody that Baker Mayfield is going to have to keep account of when he drops back to pass. Patrick Peterson absolutely still has the ability to pick off a play, make a play for this defense. But other than that, Jeff, there isn't anybody on this defense that should strike fear in the Cleveland Browns offense at all. There's just nobody. I mean, it's sure you've got Terrell Suggs, but he's a little bit longer in the tooth. He's got five and a half sacks and he's 37 years old. Um, I, you're not seeing anybody across that defensive line, especially in the middle of things, that's going to be disruptive. We're, we're just not getting that. Um, the other linebackers, nobody to write home about. And the other people in the secondary, I mean, they're either uh, you know, past their prime or never had a prime or guys that are uh, just getting started. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a bad collection of a defensive unit outside of the stars. It's very top heavy. Yeah. They, they, uh, they have a lot of work to do in, you know, I hope the Cardinal fans are understanding that it's great that you have Kyler, but there's a lot more that needs to be done. Um, you know, I, you know, offensive line, um, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, God bless him. But I mean, you know, there's gotta be a time Patrick Peterson. Uh, if you're the Cardinals, you probably find somebody who needs a corner, a veteran corner, and hopefully you get a pick for him and just keep replenishing. You know, I like the Hakeem Butler pick. Obviously he didn't get to see much of him. Uh, we loved the Andy Isabella pick. We wanted him badly here in Cleveland. Uh, he was only only grew up 15 minutes outside, and ironically enough, he's from Mayfield, Ohio. So him, Baker Mayfield, playing for the Browns would have just been too perfect. So you know, looking forward to seeing that. But this is the thing, you know, the the offensive line. It's got it, it's getting better. Um, Wyatt Teller has been the right guard now for about a month. Wyatt Teller isn't a great run blocker, but Wyatt Teller. Last week graded out, I think, as the top pass blocking guard in the NFL. So that's helped tremendously because Baker grew comfortable with a really, really good interior offensive line last year in his rookie year. So when they moved Zeitler, it was a big hole to fill. And they're starting to maybe getting closer to where, and keep in mind, Wyatt Teller is their fifth right guard. This is the fifth swing they've taken at right guard since Zeitler left. Maybe now they found some stability. Chris Hubbard didn't play last year. um, His second year with the Browns, he started every game. Didn't start last week. Browns fans weren't too upset that he didn't start because of injury. Kendall Lamb was a swing tackle that they assigned out of Houston. And when he went through the tape, he went through PFF graves. Kendall Lamb was the same exact player Greg Robinson is, was the same exact player Chris Hubbard was. It was like, all right, well, why don't we get this guy a shot? Finally got a shot. Uh, pass pro was really good. Run blocking wasn't so much. Look, if Baker's supposed to be the engine here and these backs are so good, if I'm going to get offensive linemen, I want ones that are at least great in pass pro. Whatever they do in the run blocking game, I'll live with it because I got really good running backs that get a lot of yards after contact. Greg Robinson is what he is. He's no longer the bust and the joke that he used to be. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's, if you're going to rank left tackles in the NFL, He's probably somewhere in the 20s. He's getting it done, I guess, but you're going to need an upgrade there. But the thing is, is there was just so much potential here with the skill players. And now that Kareem Hunt's here, that's provided a spark. Um, Nick Chubb is more excited. And it, it's hard to say that's that was never the case with Nick Chubb, but I think he likes the feed off and the give it back from the two of them. And it was supposed to be Odell Beckham Jr. It was supposed to be Jarvis Landry. It was supposed to be Rashard Higgins, who's, you know, I, I mean, I'm putting, I'm, I'm having milk, milk things printed up to try and find what's going on and where Rashard <laughs> Higgins is. Antonio Callaway turned out to be a, the colossal bust. 
that me and my host, P. Smith, we figured that was going to end up that way. There were just too many red flags there with a kid like that. Like I had mentioned, losing David Njoku. Um, and actually, here's another one I forgot about. We have your old friend, Ricky, Ricky Seals-Jones, yeah. um, who's now a Brown, and he's played well. Ricky actually was on the show. Great kid. We had a lot of fun with him the night. We, and the funniest thing is it, it was the Friday night before the Seattle game. Ricky came on, scored a touchdown that Sunday. It was the first time his parents were coming to Cleveland. So just I- interesting with that. So there's a lot of storylines here as, as far as what goes back and forth. But and it's you know like I told you, if the Browns play like they're capable of, they should be able to put some points up here. And I think sometimes right now with the way the pressure is, I think this may be a good situation for them. They're going to get to go somewhere where the weather's better. Um, they're going to get away from Cleveland and the problem, you know, the media here, and you know they. I, I don't want to say they want them to not be successful, but I think the Cleveland media thinks we get more reads. When they're not successful, um, so to take this on the road, go somewhere warm, and then there's the, and we'll get to this in the final segment. I don't really want to tease it, but there's some really great storylines here, guys. There really yeah. is. For any of the Spotify users, um, they're doing the whole rap thing here now for the end of the year. Um, you know, go ahead, put it up, tag us in it, tag Bo, tag Jeff. We want to see how much time. I, I think my highest Bo was like ten thousand. 500 minutes somebody has listened to this podcast look we appreciate you all we try we try to put out a consistent effort and great effort for you guys day in day out and look we all take these rides together some seasons are better than others but for all the spotify users do us a favor go ahead tip uh you know take a screen grab of that uh you know your spotify wrapped and let everybody know how much support you've given here to us along the season now, Bo, like I said, and I even forgot about Ricky. Wow, that one I almost feel bad about. But whether it's a Ricky Seals-Jones, whether it's Steve Wilkes, and then you get into the Baker and Kyler relationship. You get into the Baker and the Cliff Kingsbury relationship. There's there's a little potential here that this could be like, you know, remember like the, back in the day it used to be the ESPN Instant Classic. There's a lot here for guys to be fired up with, you know, from from past which could take a game between a six and seven team and and the Cardinals where they're at and make it a pretty good ball game. Yeah, I, I don't. I absolutely think you're right. And I mean, Freddie Kitchens, your head coach. Here's a guy. Oh my god, a, <laughs> there's too many lists. <laughs> I mean, he was he was running backs coach at one point. I think he was wide receivers coach for the Cardinals. I mean, he was an everyman under Bruce Arians in his coaching staff for so long before uh, you know heading over to Cleveland after BA retired. Yeah, I mean, this, there there are some low key storylines, and I think that these offenses and look opposing offenses these have been get right games for opposing offenses. You had, I mean, it, the the magic elixir for struggling offenses has been facing the Arizona Cardinals defense. I mean, that's just unfortunately the reality for the Cardinals. They've given up thirty two touchdown passes from opposing quarterbacks and just racked up six interceptions. Guys like Jared Goff came in and racked up 420-plus yards passing. Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown eight touchdown passes against the Arizona Cardinals. You had a guy even in – And you played them tough as heck both times you played them. The Niners, absolutely. But, you know, the Rams, that was kind of a laugher. That was kind of just a devastating loss where they were dismantled in pretty much every kind of category. Uh, you just seen a bunch. I mean, Kyle Allen, the Carolina Panthers came in, didn't turn the football over. Uh, he looked like Tom Brady back there. There, there was, there's just been some impressive performances. Drew Brees coming off the thumb injury comes back, throws three touchdown passes. Uh, last week, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's duck for the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
you know, taking care of the football. Only three (laughs) drop passes or, you know, passes that hit the ground, just uh, 16 for 19. Not a whole lot of passing yards throws for one touchdown. Uh, It's just been a get right game for each and every quarterback that's struggling. I think this is just going to be a good recipe for Baker Mayfield. Unfortunately, Uh, if they can get that balance going, you mentioned uh, Nick Chubb. I'm curious uh, to ask your thoughts as far as the red zone offense, because, you know, I've seen quite a bit of the Cleveland Browns this year and it, it doesn't, it looks like they go from being just uncreative as far as their blocking schemes and running Nick Chubb to where they've just kind of gone away. And has it improved in the last couple of weeks? It, I know when I was watching earlier this season, it was a disaster. Well, it's the weirdest thing. And, you know, and it even almost comes from some of the fan base. Like everyone thinks like red zone automatically means, all right, where's our guy who is six foot four? Uh, David Njoku has been good in the red zone for this team. He has. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. didn't come here with the resume he did because, you know, he caught 60-yard balls all the time. He was great within the red zone. His feet, his footwork is fantastic. Um, and then there were weeks where they were really creative. Ricky Seals-Jones, first touchdown, was at Baltimore. It was basically trips right, first two kind of cleared everybody out, and then the trailer. Uh, and they ran that one again against Pittsburgh with Jarvis Landry for a touchdown. It's it's not being creative enough, and it's where they're attacking. Um, what hurt them against Seattle? Uh, you know, they ran like dueling skinny posts from the slot. They threw one to Jarvis. He was high load. The guy got a hand on it. The safety behind intercepted it. It's been play calling, and this is where it's been frustrating because one of the things we go back to where we think a lot of us here, Cleveland wise, where Freddie may have won this job was the Carolina game last year. Granted, the team at the time, Carolina, was fading. But they this is when they were running these underneath handoffs to Jarvis Landry out of the slot. One of them led to an early touchdown. One of them led to yeah, – they ran the same play again. It led to a big, big gainer later in the game. It's the creativity, and it's the uh, – and, you know, we're almost to the point now, look, if it's first and goal at the seven – Give it to Nick three times. Don't even throw it because we have no faith in what you're going to call. That's kind of where we got into Odell with the sports hernia. Maybe he isn't so much of a threat on the fade and I'm not a huge fade guy anymore, but I've seen Odell do this a lot. So, you know, I, I, I've got faith in him to do it or, you know, it's, it's numbers. It's, it's four on one side. There's no creativity. It's so blase. And thank God Austin Seibert, the rookie kicker, has been as consistent as he has because he's been put in a lot of favorable positions where it's, okay, kid, go bang in a 30-yard field goal. And part of that is because, you know, they they get kind of – they get into that red zone and they get scared and the play calling is weak. And it's not like they're tearing it up with the deep game. So it's certainly been a mixture of both ways. But they get down there and the play calling, it's just so, it's again, it's just so blase. Yeah. Jeff, we're getting to the point where we need to start looking at some predictions. MyBookie.ag's got this spread at two and a half points. I don't know if uh, you want to get into that, but, you know, I I look at this as as a last ditch effort for the Arizona Cardinals to um, improve on a horrible 2018 get their fourth win in 2019 probably their last winnable game and unless one of the seattle's or los angeles rams games becomes you know a game that's not as necessary to them as far as the playoff picture is concerned uh this is a huge game for cliff kingsbury it's big for kyler murray and his development it's huge for steve kime the general manager to say hey we improved 
a little bit, um, you know, even though I think he, he should be done at this point. But I, I got to think that the Cardinals come in, you know, in the lack of a pass rush because of Miles Garrett yielding or wielding, you know, somebody else's helmet like a weapon. And then you've got uh, Olivia Vernon uh, banged up that this is actually a pass rush that this offensive line might be able to deal with. Uh, and, and Kyler Murray could have himself a pretty big day passing the football, finding all of his wide receivers. As we mentioned, maybe Andy Isabella gets uh, involved. You know, he hasn't done that much this season. Maybe Larry Fitzgerald cuts, catches a few more balls than he has this season. Christian Kirk gets involved like he did last last week, and maybe they get some sort of balance with the run game. I think this is a very big opportunity for the Cardinals to maybe lock up their last win of the season. And, and like I said earlier in the show, I don't mean that as any disrespect for the for the Browns. I just think that, you know, coming West, I know it's a favorable situation for them, and it's a get-right possibility for them. But the Cardinals have an advantage or an opportunity to end the six-game losing skid and get some pride back that they've lost over the six-game stretch? Um, for me, it's uh, this will put the Browns at six and eight. Um, they don't win this one. Freddie Kitchens, you know, I- I'm trying to say I, I want to just keep this going because I, I don't want more change. Uh, I-, I think the key is getting some more talent, maybe a couple of tackles, safeties. You know, you're going to maybe need another wide receiver. I think the biggest issue here, but it's also whether or not Freddie can get this right. If he goes into Arizona and loses this game where you said this was a get right game, then it's, well, Freddie, I I, I don't know what to do anymore because these are losses that were counted on as wins. And then he got Baltimore at home to close out your home slate. And I don't care, you know, it's Cincinnati after that in Cincinnati, but who's going to be really playing to go seven and nine. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to be fired up. Uh, So this is, I mean, you know, I think it's really, look, Freddie's probably got to win every game here on out anyway. Nine and seven may save his job. Um, Mike McCarthy doing these nice little videos about how he's trying to change everything and learn everything he didn't know. Certainly isn't helping a guy like Freddie Kitchens, no doubt. So, you know, it, they got to win this. And for me, this is this is going to be a big one for Baker. Um, there's been highs and there's been a lot of lows. You know, we know the relationship with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury and we know Baker. Once you do Baker wrong, you're never going to get back into the good graces. Even if Kyler's this guy, he's going to be right. in there and he's going to be looking to let Mr. Kingsbury know that, hey, you were the reason I didn't finish my career at Texas Tech, even though I got to go to Oklahoma and win a national championship and go to the college football playoffs. Baker is just wired like that. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I think he's a guy that absolutely can create a chip, even if it's, you know, a a small thing. And and maybe he wants to show, hey, Kyler Murray, I I was the number one pick too. I was a Heisman Trophy winner. I'm the the better quarterback in this contest. But I'm, I'm hoping Kyler Murray has the same kind of chip himself uh, looking forward to a good game, and, I, and I'm expecting a high-scoring game, absolutely. Maybe both teams approaching 30s, and maybe whoever has the ball last is, is the one to take this one. That's that's the way I'm kind of seeing this thing develop as far as w- the way both defenses are going and just how these offenses coming off, uh, you know, maybe not, not their best performances the last couple of weeks for them to really get things going come Sunday. Yeah, and actually when you just brought up, you know, uh, could be somebody with the ball last, um, your kicker. Yeah, Zane Gonzalez. 
Yes, you when the yes, Hugh Jackson, who ran him out there with a torn hamstring and asked him to kick a 53-yard field goal in New Orleans to win a game. And well, of course that didn't happen. But uh, and now he's home, comfortable, and kicking well. Wow, my Healthy. god. Yeah, I can't can't believe how many of them there have been. Um, Bo, I believe we put a nice wrap on this. We've given everybody listening a bunch of information. Bo, it was a good time. Good to get to know you. Good to get to talk some ball. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, looking forward to future episodes. Looking forward to checking in more so on uh, Lockdown Browns. Appreciate your work, Jeff. And uh, looking forward to a big game on Sunday. It should be fun regardless of what, you know, both these teams' records are at this point. Yeah, with all the storylines that's there, it's just it's a game to have some fun with. Uh, you know, for Browns fans, you're going to see some familiar faces. For Cardinals fans, you know, you know familiar faces, storylines, all that good stuff. So it should turn out. You know, this is on, and this is one really where, look, even if the Browns go nine and seven, there's no guarantees. Cardinals season's over. Look, we only have three more, folks. And I tell everybody, all my listeners, nothing goes faster than the NFL season. We really only have three more. Let's enjoy them. This has been a great episode here. Crossover Wednesdays, Bo Brack from Locked On Arizona Cardinals, Jeff Lloyd, Locked On Browns. Uh, Guys, we just try to give you some information, have a lot of fun with it, enjoy it, and we appreciate everybody for coming along, listening along. Uh, Like uh, Bo said, we'll see you all Sunday. Hope for a great game uh, for my Browns folks. It's going to be a little later than we're used to. Uh, and make sure you manage the alcohol a little bit better. It's it's after four start. You're going to have to be careful with that. Uh, either do dinner at four or plan for a late dinner on Sunday. The way it's going to work out. <laughs> Bo, had a blast. Likewise, Jeff. Uh, and with that, we'll take this one home. Uh, this is Crossover Wednesday. Thank you, everybody, so much. We enjoy everybody. We appreciate you all for the support. Keep coming on back. We'll keep us in our butts for you.